welcome to Chit Chat Money. On this show, hosts Ryan Henderson and Brett Schaefer interview industry experts and riff on the world of investing. As a quick reminder, Chit Chat Money is a CCM Media Group podcast. Ryan and Brett are also general partners at Arch Capital, and Arch Capital may have positions in the securities discussed in this podcast. Anything discussed on Chit Chat Money by Ryan or Brett or any other podcast guests is not formal advice or recommendation. Now, please enjoy this episode. Welcome in. This is the Tuesday Not So Deep Dive episode on Chit Chat Money. I'm here with Ryan Henderson, as always, and we got Brad Freeman joining the show today uh, every other week, as he's been doing for the past year. So, Brad, uh, we're talking Amazon. Uh, I can't say on this one, have you heard of it? Uh, but do you follow the stock at all? No, it's a it's a rainforest in, in, in some... No, I'm, 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 I'm going to stop making lame jokes now, but... Um, I have heard of Amazon. Uh, I, I have used Amazon before. So I guess for anecdotal evidence, we'll, we'll have some stuff to talk about. Yeah. yeah. Ryan. Yeah. Ryan's in the same boat where, uh, yeah, everyone's knows what Amazon is. So I don't think we have to explain it too much, but Ryan's going to go into the details and probably going to, well, I've seen his notes. He's going to hit some of the, you know, nitty gritty of what the actual business is because they own quite a few things. But first, let's talk about our sponsor today, and that is Potential Multibaggers. So Potential Multibaggers is an investing service. And the aim of the service, you've heard us before, is to find stocks that have the chance to go up 10 times over the next 10 years or compound at 26% per year. Now, this means making bets on high growth companies, something like Cloudflare at $39 a share, Upstart at $128 a share. They've been around since 2017, Chris uh, or his pseudonym from Growth to Value have been running the service since 2017, and they have a fantastic track record over the long term. They pick high growth stocks and to hold them for a long period of time. Of course, they have to continue performing to hold them. So Chris, the man behind it, he calls this buy and verify. So sometimes a stock will be in the portfolio and they're not afraid to take it out. It's kind of a rolling thing. They're going to give you continuous updates on these companies. I see... um, Updates hit my inbox multiple times per week and maybe even more five times per week during earnings season. There's always updates on there. So if you want a comprehensive service, if you want some help, you know, identifying and doing some analysis on some high growth companies, if you want to become a multi, you can go to Seeking Alpha, look for From Growth to Value, Google it, or go to at From Value on Twitter. All right, Ryan, let's introduce Amazon.com. Yeah. The first line of their 10K says, we seek to be the we seek to be Earth's most customer-centric company. So that's, uh, I'm not going to go in. I, I, we just simply don't have enough time for me to go in to everything they do. Um, but th- I think they've pretty much lived that motto uh, since their inception. Uh, I'm going to basically talk about what I think and what a friend of the show that uh, follows Amazon pretty closely uh, thinks the three main drivers of the business are. So that is e-commerce, AWS, and advertising. Um, and so the e-commerce business, you could almost call their legacy business at this point. This um, this is, it, it accounts for 39% of US e-commerce spend. And if you subscribe to Amazon Prime, and I, I, I haven't been a frequent shopper lately. So correct me if I'm wrong, but you get pretty much anything delivered to your door in two days or less. Am I getting that right? Right. Most of it's right. less than one now. Uh, they're trying to do same day. So it's it's been two day guarantee, but um, well, in the pandemic, it went up a bit, but now they're trying to do one day or less if you're in a major city. Okay. And then AWS, and people, I think people grasp the e-commerce concept, but AWS or Amazon Web Services is another big driver of their business now. And this is their cloud platform. So I guess for anyone that I'll, I'll give sort of the brass tacks on cloud and I'm not a cloud expert by any means, but Companies, organizations, or individuals can store or access their data over the internet instead of on a hard drive. That's basically the concept of cloud computing. Um, this makes data more accessible, uh, and it uh, it often saves organizations a lot of money. Um, and so it it's been a huge driver in terms of profitability for them. It generated sixty two billion dollars in revenue for Amazon last year. And even though it only accounts for 13% of Amazon sales, it accounts for 75% of their operating income. And then the last segment that I'll talk about is their advertising business. So since Amazon accounts for such a big chunk of e-commerce sales in the US, obviously getting on search rankings is um, a 
basically really valuable real estate for sellers. Um, and so sellers are willing to pay up for that. I believe that's where the lion's share of their advertising revenue comes from, but it's, and it's, it's a really, it's a quickly growing segment, but there's also other advertising spots that they own. So I think you can advertise on Alexa. I might be wrong on that, but there's like, think of all the real estate they own. They own, um, fire TV. You can, that's one fire TV is one. That's, that's a big one. Um, I don't know. I, I'm sure there's plenty. There's a lot well, of, I mean, the main one is sponsored listings. Exactly. On yeah. Um, but that's, those are the three main drivers of the business right now. I, I am certain that they account for the biggest portion of the, uh, the company's overall top line. And then as far as history goes, I think most people have probably heard this story, uh, but Amazon was founded in 1994 by a man named Jeff Bezos. Brett, I, I heard you're friends with this guy. Yeah, well, you know, we're best buds. Uh, we go we to the same restaurant. Yeah, we go to the same restaurants in Bellevue. So, you know, what can I say? <laughs> yeah, uh, but I, I mean, tell that this, story. Yeah, and with this winter, I was at a restaurant in Bellevue, which is where Jeff Bezos lives, and we're close to where Amazon's headquarters, close to where we live, and. I look over and I, I thought I recognized him and most people in the restaurant really didn't because, you know, they're not in like the investing or business community, but I saw him and I was like, that's definitely him. He was with his new girlfriend and then his family. But then when he got up to leave, uh, I went up and shook his hand. And then I said something like, I enjoy your shareholder letters. And then I just walked away. So I didn't, I gave myself like a C. I should have said something about like Lord of the Rings or something funny, but uh, I think I, I did okay. But so I went up and shook his hand while he was leaving. Were you shaking? Were you nervous? I was, I was nervous. Yeah. Yeah. I'm usually, you know, one that doesn't get nervous about stuff like that. Uh, but in that case I was since I've read all, you know, I like his, uh, he's a role model for the business world. Yeah. Um, Bezos left DE Shaw, which was a quantitative investing firm. I think that's what they categorize it as. It might just be a wall street uh, invest. They might have different branches, but I believe that's what he was doing at D.E. Shaw. Um, and he basically wanted to build a business that sold books over the internet. And so he went out, he moved out to Seattle to start the company. And uh, I believe part of the rationale there was there's a lot of tech talent over there. Um, and the business, I didn't realize how quickly Amazon took off. Uh, originally, it was actually named Kadabra. Um, but apparently a lawyer mistook the name for cadaver. And so they changed the name quickly to Amazon one year after the company was founded, it went public. So Amazon IPO in 1995. And I remember, I think it was within like two months of starting the company that they were selling $20,000. They were generating like $20,000 in sales, either monthly or weekly. It, it, it really started growing fast. Um, I, I can't really do like justice to the whole story, but there's a lot of books written. One good book is the everything store by Brad stone. I recommend reading that. It's kind of, it's just interesting history to see sort of the DNA of Amazon and what the culture is like. And you really get an idea of what even today, what a well-run business it truly is. Um, that's basically it for the history. I, I, AWS was started in what, like the late two thousands. Uh, I believe 04, 06. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. They, but right. they didn't end up spinning out the financials there until. Uh, 2015. So they did that in 2015. It wasn't other, just like advertising and people thought AWS, they're like, Oh, it's another others growing quickly. And they think it's pretty profitable because like you would think the cloud's profitable or something like that. But there's a lot of theories like, Oh, we don't know. We don't know. But then when they came out and they're like, yeah, this business is an amazing, you know, it's got fantastic margins, even though we're growing. Uh, I think the stock went up like 20% after they broke it out. So it was like one of those big moments um, in Wall Street history. Yeah, I think I think AWS is to the, I, I actually, I don't think, I just Googled it, so I'm cheating. AWS is 2006 and Azure is 2010. And, and then Google Cloud is, is newer, obviously. But just FYI for our reader or our listener's sake. Yeah, that is, and then they got, they get or, sort of, a, I guess you could call it, a first mover advantage there just being early to the space. I mean, we're, I don't really know the history of cloud computing. Where's, were they one of the first, were they like a pioneer in the space or were there other? They invented it. They invented it and they were the Are first sure? one for four years. Yeah. They invented it. And uh, well, okay. They invented like the outsource model, like, uh, uh, like 
the the model that is followed today. I believe they invented that. There could be like different, like Salesforce was founded a little earlier, but am I getting, Brad, you might know this a little bit too, but we're kind of showing our cards here. We, yeah. we don't know cloud computing very well. We're hoping actually to get an industry expert on as a deep, for a deep dive on AWS, but really for the show, we're just going to give some brief industry overviews and just say, yeah, cloud computing, big business, very profitable. Um, but yeah, I'll hit industry and competition. I'll, it's hard to define because they have so many businesses, but I'll highlight US e-commerce, international e-commerce player, p- places they're in, and then cloud services. So the US retail market is $5.5 trillion, or so that's the estimate for 2022. Side note, the world kind of economy is driven by the American consumer in some regards. Um, it's very like it's very important for Amazon's growth, even though it's their most mature market. Um, and they're actually expanding a lot to try to get more than just e-commerce now because they own Whole Foods and they're trying to do a lot with that as well. Um, they're competing for base. I mean, except for maybe some things with like Home Depot or a few other retail outlets like jewelry or something like that. Amazon is really competing for all of that spent. Now in Europe, where they operate in a lot of countries, uh, the retail market is $3.2 trillion, or excuse me, 3.2 trillion euros. Um, India is another company they op- or a country they operate in is that is one point, or sorry, $1 trillion. Uh, India is one of their big markets. And then Europe is their other international ones. And then they're also in Mexico, Japan, and Taiwan, I believe. And then if we wanna move out of retail, their cloud market is a 300 to 400 billion dollars in spending a year it depends where you go for your estimates there and the projections are that that'll grow by about 10% to 15% a year so large market opportunities you can see why this is a trillion dollar plus business and growing really quickly brad do you want to talk management and ownership so in terms of management ownership, Andy Jassy did take over the company for, for Jeff Bezos in 2021. Uh, the buyback that, that, that they announced this week, the $10 billion buyback, or it won't be this week when our listeners are listening, but it is for us right now. Uh, love to see that. Uh, Tax-efficient shareholder returns are always a wonderful thing, and their balance sheet really puts them in a position to do that, but more on that later. Uh, very smart guy. Been with the company for decades, uh, climbing the ladder. He was the first CEO, founding CEO of AWS. Um, he's got a, a 97 or 79% glass door rating with 115,000 reviews. So really large sample size that I think we can, we can take seriously. Uh, Brian Olavsky has been Amazon CFO since 2015. Again, he's been with the company for 20 years, climbing the ladder. Uh, he was with Fisher Scientific before then. And then the, the new CEO of AWS is Adam Solipsky. And I apologize if I pronounce your name incorrectly, but again, been with the company for 17 years. Uh, former president and CEO of Tableau. So I found that interesting. Another Harvard guy, the, the C-suite is loaded with them. Um, board is extremely impressive. I mean, it's it's a trillion dollar plus company. So it, it, it's not super shocking that the management team is so sparkling, but but it is and really love to see the lengthy tenures and that the trend there um, just points to strong culture and, and a strong community that Amazon's built. Uh, but in terms of ownership, and this is as of the most recent proxy, which is now a little bit dated, uh, Jeff Bezos owns 15% of the outstanding company. Uh, Vanguard owns 6.4%. BlackRock owns 5.4%. I saw a video on, on TikTok of somebody ripping into Vanguard and BlackRock saying they own the entire world, but these are shareholders who own Amazon on behalf of, or BlackRock owns them on behalf of shareholders, but I, I digress. Uh, so Jassy's and Wilkes in Wilkes' stake. So Jeff Wilkie was seen as um, Jeff Bezos' right-hand man. Uh, he was seen as the, the the next person to kind of take over. They went with Jassy. Wilkie left. I don't know if it was because of that, but it kind of makes sense if it was because of that. He still owns a lot of restricted stock units. He still owns a little bit of a direct common equity stake. Um, overall, the, the executive team doesn't really own a lot of shares uh, to, to, uh, directly, but there are 14 million total restricted stock keeping units or stock units, I'm sorry, outstanding as of the company's most recent 10K for about $28 billion in equity that's gonna invest starting in 2023. Um, so there is there is some compensation coming their way to, to incentivize the 10 years to keep getting longer and longer. Question is, do you guys think Bezos is the, would you put him on the Mount Rushmore of best CEOs of all time? Yeah. Yeah. Would he go number one? No, no, probably not. We'll, we'll have to see, like, I think a big question is whether the culture they started can sustain for the next few decades after that 
if that's the case and they're still around, you know, very profitable or something, you know, generating cash, then probably you can put them on there. But as of now, I think the jury's still out. It, you know, it, it's, it's only been 25 years. If you're going to be one of the best ever, you got to establish a franchise that's going to be around, I think, for a very long time. But you could also say he did it quicker than anyone else. Well, that's true. That's true. That's, that, that is very true. The, quick, the, the quickest, I, I think. Yeah. For sure. Well, Google, Google, actually. Google is later. Uh, but either way, sorry, Brad, do you have anything on that? Do you have any, any thoughts? That's, that's such a, I mean, that's a debate. That's not, that's not yeah. a question I can give an objective answer to, but in terms of top CEO ever, he's on the short list for sure. Um, and, and obviously that's recency bias for me being 24 years old and, and growing up um, watching his fabulous success. Uh, not, to, not to make Ryan, or, or, or I'm sorry, not to make Brett, yeah, Ryan or Brett, uh, a little bit uh, steamy through the ears, but I, I think I'd put Elon Musk up there as well. No. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I, I think I would. Maybe, maybe just, just because of, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll leave it there. We'll leave, I, won't, I won't say more <laughs> things. I will say, I will say Brett, Brett probably has the, uh, the finger on the pulse here the best since he's really, since he's best friends with Jeff. So well, that's right. Yeah. And I got some more scuttlebutt. So All right. Let's, let's, uh, I'll, let's, I'll that, let's hit yeah. valuation. Yeah, valuation is pretty well. It's hard because of all the cash they, or oh, sorry, all the capital investments they make, which I'm sure we'll talk about in the second half. But it's pretty easy to value since it's not some money losing company. Uh, market cap 1.42 trillion dollars. Ticker is AMZN. Enterprise value is 1.37 trillion dollars. And now that's taking market cap, subtracting out the cash, adding back the debt. I'm going to say that every time, but I'll hopefully just do it quick because I know people will probably get tired of that. EV to operating income, which is enterprise value divided by operating income is 55. Enterprise value divided by free cash flow is negative. However, it's because they made this heavy reinvestment period over the last 12 to 18 months because of the pandemic. Before the pandemic, they were very profitable from a cash generation perspective. And I should say share count steadily rising. Like Brad was noting, they have about a 3% dilution rate that has been steady over the long term. Um, so not crazy, but, and maybe that'll balance out now if they do the buybacks, but there is going to be some dilution. All right, Ryan, do you want to hit earnings? Yeah. So they just wrapped up their 2021 fiscal year, literally last night as of uh, this recording, but it'll be, I think, a, maybe four or five days uh, by the time this is out. So in 2021, Amazon had $471 billion in revenue. That was up 22% versus the year prior. They had 42% gross margins, which was up slightly from the year before. And then the interesting part, which Brett sort of alluded to, they had $46 billion in operating cash flow, but they spent $60 billion on capital expenditures. So negative free cash flow for the year. And I think it maybe it was in Bezos's one of his last letters during during COVID, he basically said, We're we're gonna start like we're not just letting the company generate cash. Like we are going to pour money into investing back in the business heavily. And you're starting to see that on the cash flow line. Um, but when that happens, they're usually they usually reap quite the reward in three, four, or five year uh, uh, periods after the reinvestment. So it's uh, that's usually a good sign for shareholders. I will say also. Big news! They did a twenty-for-one stock split, which obviously uh, <laughs> everyone made. Now. Yeah, everyone made the joke. So they did a 24-one stock split, and they have done stock splits in the past. Um, and everyone made the joke that the stock jumped because of it, but I think it also jumped because of earnings. Um, hopefully, that well, earnings, earnings were. Uh, I don't know if you you might have misread some earnings were in February, or you might that, have. They had earnings last night. No. No, no, no. Earnings were in February. Huh. I must have. I must. You. I think you misread it as uh, March instead of February because I believe it would have been like March 9th. Either. Yeah. All right. So then a month ago, I guess. Yeah. Um, but last night they did announce the stock split and the buyback program. Correct. Correct. Okay. So that was that was last night. So I got the dates wrong. But the ten billion dollar buyback on that there was no ending date on that. So they basically had a $5 billion open buyback program. They just replaced it with a $10 billion 
program, no ending date on that. So it's kind of open for them to repurchase shares opportunistically. Um, that's pretty much it for the earnings. Those are, I guess, the main takeaways that they are reinvesting heavily. And typically that's a good sign uh, for the times to come. Yeah. And I would say, do you guys think it should have been another zero on there? Like a hundred billion dollar buyback program, just because if it's going to be indefinite, like for a company of this size, $10 billion is pretty meaningless. I think they tend to generate great results when they allocate capital to their existing operations. Um, and they have money to obviously buy back shares, but I wouldn't be surprised if they're slow to start choosing to repurchase shares instead of investing back in their own business. Yeah, that's a good point. All right, Brad, any thoughts on that? And then move into balance sheet if uh, when you're ready. Yeah, I'll just go right into the balance sheet and liquidity. So the company has 36 billion in cash and equivalents, but it's got another 60 billion in marketable securities. So I'd put um, accessible liquid assets right almost at $100 billion. Uh, they, but they do have 48 billion in net payables, which it, it uses to finance its marketplace operations and other parts of the business. It's got $32 billion in long-term, uh, in long-term debt and another 52.6 billion in long-term lease obligations. These are large numbers, but that's what happens when you build out the largest, um, the largest private market infrastructure set of infrastructure and, and, and assets or whatever I'm trying to say and can't get across in, in the world. I mean, obviously long-term lease obligations are going to be a hefty number, but uh, moving on, interest expense was 7.2% of its operating income in 2021. So not super favorable, but could could have just been a, a, a timing of payments thing because according to their 10K, the weighted average rate for 2022, calendar 2022 is going to be 0.65%, uh, which is extremely favorable. So um, I, I, I would trust Amazon uh, to know what their average uh, cost of capital will be for 2022. And, and that looks very good. So to probably not many people surprised, the balance sheet is yet another strength for the company. Yeah. Do we, I mean, do we think they should pull an Apple? I know it's kind of nitpicky, but should they pull an Apple and take out a hundred billion in debt? I feel like, like, I mean, if, okay. What do they need it for? Buy back a hundred billion in stock. That's all Apple needs it for. And their returns, people have been thankful for that. I mean, there's no like, okay. There's no way Amazon's going to get in trouble. I mean, they're going to start generating 50 billion in cash a year soon. Once this, you know, reinvestment period reverts, they did that in 2019 or maybe 2018. Forget the years. I mean, why? The question is why, and also just why not? Like, they have, why not do it? But to me, it's like I think they're so. I think their investment starts at their gross profit line, essentially. Like they're they're you could almost call it like like growth capex i would say starts there because they do a lot of investing through their income statement they're generating what is it probably 250 200 plus billion dollars in gross profit is levering up really going to do that much for them i mean if you can get some 20 30 notes at four percent and you can buy back stock at a yield you think will be higher over the next few years i mean it'll juice returns. I don't know. I think Apple strategy is there. Like, I just think all the big tech companies should be doing this, except maybe Facebook because they're in a more precarious situation, but that's a debate for another day. Uh, let's hit an ad break and we'll talk more about Amazon. This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Wyndham. Here you are miles from home and ready to start your vacation. Good thing you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. They have free high-speed Wi-Fi to stream all your favorite movies. And in the morning, get fresh waffles with their free bright side breakfast. Or squeeze in a workout at their fitness center. Either way, you're ready to conquer the day. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you triumph. Book your stay at LQ.com. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify. The global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. 
Cox Panoramic Wi-Fi includes advanced security to help protect all your connected devices. You'll get real-time alerts. Oh, like this one. So you don't have to worry about malware. Or when your kid downloads a song from a shady link. And now all your computer can play is... Red color, red color, where are you? <sighs> all blocked, thanks to advanced security. Included with Cox Panoramic Wi-Fi. Advanced security must be enabled in the Panoramic Wi-Fi app. Restrictions apply. Okay, welcome back. Next up, we have anecdotal evidence. Usually, <laughs> if it's like a tech business, we don't have any, but this one should be fun. Uh, so, Brad, what's your anecdotal evidence for us today? Yeah, uh, so I'm a grad student who still lives at home, and I think my mom gets five plus packages from Amazon a day. It's, it's, we just have a steady flow of packages just coming uh, coming to the door and, and ringing the doorbell and pissing off my dogs. And like you probably heard in the background earlier in the show, but um, it's not, I mean, I have no complaints. I, I'm, I'm not going to rave about it's, it's fulfillment and, and, and marketplace services because it's not noticeably better or different than anything else. But the selection obviously is, is quite immense. Um, so thumb firmly sideways on Amazon uh, versus the competition, but it's extremely convenient. So I guess thumbs up there. Yeah, I, I think everyone probably has some experience shopping wise. I'll be honest. I haven't bought anything on Amazon in a really long time. And maybe I'm just not like that much of a shopper to begin with, but I just haven't found, I don't know the use, like the use case for it. Maybe Christmas. I'm sure I bought something around Christmas time, but um, on a separate, like on a different, as far as use cases for other parts of their business, I, uh, I look forward to watching the Lord of the Rings show, but at the same time, I kind of question whether some of those expenses are worthwhile and like- What's the ROI on that? Yeah, getting all those Lord of the Rings rights. Or just even like all their prime video initiatives. I think they've improved on that a bit. I really hope they go more into sports because that's kind of something I feel like they can be good at because they're, they're really good at just efficient- you know, stuff where they're, they would just be licensing it. They got Thursday night football exclusively. Now, um, Brad, any thoughts on the sports stuff? Cause I really think they should try to get one of the Sunday games because that would lock people in to Amazon prime. I mean, in the United States. took the words out of my mouth. I was just going to say they got the, the Thursday night football deal, which is probably going to force me to download um, the service. Yeah. 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 I, I, I felt like initially the whole prime video thing was just a way for Bezos to get looped into Hollywood. <laughs> yeah. That's what they said in the book. That's what, that's what the Bradstone book says. Um, I mean, it's worked out pretty good. You know, Amazon prime, I'll have some numbers later of how profitable that is. So I, I, I don't think they can complain, but yeah, I, who knows buying that a uh, movie studio too. We'll, we'll see if that'll be worth it. I don't know what that was like $9 billion, but back on the retail for anecdotal evidence, I, personally, I like it a lot. I don't know what really would cause me to leave. Like Ryan was saying, like shopping, I don't really do anything of that there, but like, I really enjoy subscribing to like staple foods that I get like every month, you get 5% off, it gets delivered. Sometimes you go overboard and you accidentally get way too much delivered for yourself. Uh, but then like staples, like uh, paper towels, toilet paper and stuff. I really like to use that instead of going to the store, mainly because with Amazon prime, it's free shipping. Uh, it's usually very cheap. And it's just way, way more convenient, but like shopping around for stuff, it's not the best there. And I think that's the big difference between them and someone like a a D to C store. Personally, the only thing I get frustrated with though, is when they kind of bombard you with whole foods ads in the search results, which you can't get, like, it's like a whole foods grocery delivery thing. And you get, I get confused and I'm like, all right, I'm going to get this, say this oatmeal or something. And it's like a Whole Foods direct delivery thing with extra fees. I wish they would separate their grocery from their traditional marketplace. And then I do have some scuttlebutt on the advertising business. So last summer, being that we live in uh, the region where Amazon is headquartered, you kind of you know see a bunch of people that work for Amazon all the time. I was paired up with someone that worked there in the past for golf. And I found out that he was one of the big VPs of advertising. And I asked him about it. And he actually, he said, and this could have been his bias because he was just in the division. He said advertising was a better business than AWS. And I was kind of like, wow. But he, I think he just said that because AWS is capital intensive. 
So it might not be as profitable, but then he also said that advertising, and this would have been in 2021. So not too long ago, he said advertising could double profits over or double revenue overnight if they want to, but they just choose not to. So, you know, the people that are bullish on their advertising business, there's your, uh, there's your anecdotal evidence. Um, all right. Ryan, you got something? No, I was going to say that, Maybe he's just enthusiastic because it's his role, but I, I, I could see that. I could see how I feel like that for a lot of big tech companies. Like I was just thinking the other day, I saw an AWS ad on the back of a bus and I'm like, why, what a waste of money. And then I'm like, well, maybe they're just choosing to like defer profitability or like they're kind of masquerading profitability to either avoid regulators or hint like deter competition of some sort. It feels like they can grow at will. Yeah. Brad, you got something? Remember in the Incredibles movie when Dash was kind of like racing on on the track meet and Mr. Incredible and the family was like, come in second place, come in second place because Dash was like, he had super speed and he didn't want anyone to know he had super speed. That's kind of how I think of Amazon right now. They're, they're kind of just, pacing themselves to not invite unwanted attention, but they have superpowers that they can turn on whenever they want to. Yeah. Cause that's what I may have said it wrong, but the guy said that like the, the higher ups were telling them like, okay, no, we want this much in revenue a year. And they, if advertising was on its own, it could have been twice as big just from the demand they were getting, but they didn't, they didn't turn on the spade yet. It's like, and I don't want to go too long on this, but it's like Zuckerberg, I think one time had a quote where he, he said, I want it to be like, there's levers I can twist where it's like operating income, revenue, like prof, like all, all the line items on the financial statement, I can just turn them when I want. Well, Apple, feels- Tim Cook said, well, I don't know about that, pal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he pulled the plug on those levers, but let's go growth opportunities. Brad, what do you have? Yeah, I just want to say two thumbs up to, to your future growth op- opportunity, Ryan. I'm in full support, but I won't spoil it. Uh, but the Internet of Things boom, I, I, this is more of a profit and margin op- growth opportunity, but it could really allow them to accumulate a lot more automation within the fulfillment processes. Even like autonomous vehicles um, could, could be just a massive cost savings event for them. And, and human capital, I mean, they're one of the largest employer. Are they the largest employer in the, in the United States? Private market? They uh, might have two, two. Walmart's one. Walmart's Walmart. one. I looked it up. Walmart's over two million. Amazon's like one and a half million. Okay. So just, just wild numbers. And I think they hired 150,000 workers last holiday season or something ridiculous like that. So it's, it is a massive cost for them. And this would probably be terrible for, for the, the labor force and, and, and the American economy. Um, or not, not maybe not the American economy, uh, ex Amazon, but it would be phenomenal for them to 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 sub out these manual processes with with um with uh, Internet of Things and, and and automation and artificial intelligence and all these wonderful buzzwords that we like to invest in. Yeah, and then, and remember they pay their workers now. There's a lot of whatever uh, news stories about I don't know treatment at warehouses. I, I don't know the exact things about that union busting, all that stuff. But they pay their workers very well, eighteen dollars an hour now and they do um the 401k match that's very healthy and they also do the the career path thing where they pay for people's college if they want to kind of expand out of the warehouse so they invest a ton like ryan was saying investing through the income statement in their workforce and that's one of their biggest expenses um ryan you want to hit your future growth opportunity yeah selling their rivian stake is my number one uh no it's it's that's not really my I don't know. I, I don't really have a take on Rivian, but I just, they have a huge like mark to market um, uh, adjustment on their income statement where they have to value their Rivian stake. And uh, I one, know, Brett, sorry, you, you've been one following. Thing I would say on there, they, uh, they, uh, they control Rivian's destiny basically because they, they have all the truck orders from Rivian. So it's kind of like they can, you know what I mean? Like they have over a hundred thousand truck delivery trucks uh, order for Rivian. I think they're doing a bunch of them in India too. So I don't know, they're like, it's almost like they're a long-term partner, you know, if you know what I mean. So it, it, it's less risky, I think, for Amazon where they can kind of decide how profitable and how big Rivian's going to get. Yeah, I, I, and I don't think they could even sell their stake if they wanted to. Um, and 
that would probably just destroy it anyways. But um, it's hard to think of anything new that Amazon hasn't done. I will pose a question at the end of my future growth opportunity, but I'm going to go with uh, AWS. This is probably one of the greatest businesses in the world. It grew revenues 40% year over year this quarter, had 30% operating margins. Like I said, I think it did 60 plus billion dollars in revenue for the year for Amazon. Um uh, a few sort of highlights from this quarter, some notable customer ads. NASDAQ, the exchange, said it plans to migrate its markets to AWS with the goal of becoming the world's first fully enabled cloud-based exchange. And then Meta, so Facebook, selected AWS as its long-term strategic cloud provider to accelerate AI R&D. Um, I don't know if that's just like a segment that they've dedicated to it, but um it's a pretty big vote of confidence, I imagine. And I, there's so many businesses run on there. It, there's plenty of votes of confidence. Um, so I think that's probably going to be no surprise here. Uh, the, one of the biggest drivers of returns over the coming uh, decade. Question, and this is unrelated, but what do you guys think of their cloud gaming uh, news? I don't know if you saw this, but they launched, I think it's called Luna or something like that. Right. Only seen headlines. Uh, Brad, do you have any thoughts on that? Uh, the Luna was it called or Luna? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Amazon Luna. Luna. Mm, okay. Oh, I no. think, I think they, they would probably, they'll probably lose to Microsoft. Microsoft has a big advantage there, but who knows? Um, Google, you, you know, is trying to do it. It's early days. What do you they think just broadly of their gaming investments? Strange. Worth, are, do you think it's worthwhile? I mean, it, it, I don't know. <laughs> I think we're both kind of in the, I don't know. <laughs> I think Bezos always talks about like, if I can invest, what, what, what's, what's the analogy? Like I can invest a certain amount of money and have a certain probability of these returns. I'll take that bet every single time. Um, this this kind of seems to me like one of the bets that may not work out as well for him, but he's willing to make those to, to, to identify the ones that will work, which is where AWS came from and, and, and where Amazon Fire came from. And, and yeah. Twitch has kind of fallen off a bit. I know it's different than their game. I mean, they put out a good game, I think, but it's just not a needle mover for them. It's, they, I mean, they spent like a decade developing games now and they're finally starting to become a decent studio, but unless they become the cloud gaming platform, which who knows they could be, they could be. I think Microsoft will probably win, but who knows? If they become the cloud gaming platform, that will be material for them, but just as a studio, and with Twitch, which is kind of just plateauing um, and, and really getting some big competition from YouTube and Facebook, uh, I don't think it's as material for Amazon. All right. What's your future growth opportunity? Um, like you guys said, there's a ton, but I just want to highlight raising the price of the Amazon Prime and what that does to this business. So they recently did a $20 price rise for the annual one from $119 to $139. And that will bring in, assuming they have 150 million subs, $3 billion more a year in pure profit. So that's, you know, gives them wiggle room to say reinvest into better, into more delivery. Um, they can also just be, you know, increase their margins. And I really think that they have an easy path to doing this about three to four more times over the next decade, especially because most Amazon Prime accounts are family ones and are really more than one, one person. Um, again, anything else on that guys, or should we move to highlights and lowlights? Let's go highlights and lowlights. Brad, what do you have? Yeah. want to reiterate. I love when teams are, are in place for decades. I know, I know Bezos stepped down as CEO, but the entire, or, or seemingly the entire management team has, has climbed ladders all the way up through the company to, to get where they are today. And, and, and I really just, I, I love to see that, uh, lowlights are, are very tough. So I'm going to nitpick. Um, and, and come up with some lame lowlights because there are really not, other than maybe regulatory stuff, but um, Google Cloud's finding more market share, Bezos leaving, um, maybe Amazon, uh, their, their loud public support for cannabis could turn them into a, into a federal government uh, kind of adversary or, or enemy maybe. But again, I'm, I'm reaching very far to try and come up with these. And, and there's not really a lot of red flags to speak of here. Yeah, I... I had to reach for low lights myself. Um, I guess highlights. It's probably one of the modiest business of the business in the world, and I'm I'm saying moat like M O A T. It just has incredible, incredibly high barriers to entry. And thinking about when you look at that capex figure and compare it to the second largest e-commerce provider, which is Shopify, it puts in perspective the scale of their business. Um, 
I also like Jassy so far, and I like the overall culture. Uh, even though it's also overused here, there's, I would say there's tons of optionality. Uh, and that's kind of been a big, I guess, thing for them. Uh, the whole time they've been public is you've been saying, well, they could also do this. They could also do this. And uh, so far they have low light. The only one I could really think of that the one that's actually potentially deterring me from investing, it's just the size of the company. And I know people talk a lot, law of large numbers all the time, and it never seems to come to fruition. Every big tech earnings report. Uh, I, I, there has to be, I don't know, they have to be close to e-commerce saturation at some point. Like they can't just keep, I don't know, like how big can their e-commerce business get? Maybe it's much bigger mm-hmm. than current. If e-commerce continues growing, in excess of GDP, I think PayPal is at or expecting like 10% e-commerce growth this year. So they don't really need to take a lot of market share to, to still grow in excess, in excess of GDP. But I know that's not the expectation uh, for Amazon shareholders. They want a lot more growth than that, but just thought I'd throw that out there. Yeah, I think that that's kind of where I fall as well. 10% growth in retail seems very reasonable uh, to me, but yeah, the historical growth rates have been more than 20% plus for retail. Um, anything else, Ryan? Should I move to mine? No, you're good. Okay. Yeah. Same, same with you, Ryan. I think they have tremendous competitive advantages. I think we're all aware of those. And it's kind of weird that both AWS and retail have the scale advantage, um, and the switching costs and all that type of stuff. They're very similar, even though they're completely different business. You have the logistics mode and then the cloud tailwind. So cloud, I mean, the cloud tailwind is, 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 uh, it's, it's amazing. Like it, it seems like it's a guarantee. It's going to grow at 15% a year for this next decade. Um, and then I do like their culture of focusing on long-term cash flows. They're not an earnings per share company, which is great. They're focusing on cash generation, which I like as a shareholder. Lowlights though, I have a few that uh, you guys didn't have. Uh, well, I guess you guys to have the stuff about worrying about the bloat from being just a large and disjointed business. Um, I worry about the true profitability of retail. Now, could that be saved by advertising? Sure. But Man, are they, they, they have a lot of expenses right now. Um, there's a tougher competitive environment in international markets, especially in India, where they're investing a ton of money. I think that's just going to be really difficult over there, and it's not growing as quickly and as I think as a lot of people expected. And then lastly, Alexa and some of the other bets I think are quite dumb. But uh, a lot of people have said that about Amazon's projects over the years. So, you know, if it has a 10% chance of working out, like Brad was saying, then maybe it's fine, but they are spending, I, th- I think I saw a Bloomberg report that they're spending $4 billion a year on the Alexa division. And that's just, that could be $4 billion in profits. And is it going to have a good return on invested capital? Gosh, I really doubt it. Um, all right, move. let's move into bull case. Brad, what's your bull case for Amazon? Well, Alexa actually just integrated with, with Teladoc Health, uh, which is a, a position of mine. Wow. So that would be the there bull case. No, I'm, I'm just kidding. Uh, you guys covered the quantitative bull case. I'm, I'm seeing pretty well, so I won't repeat that. Just really plainly and simply, the bull case is that Amazon continues to perform exactly as admirably as it, it's performed over the last um, several decades. Uh, proof of concept is as concrete and clear as day as it gets. Um, and, and the bull case is that that continues on well after Jeff Bezos retires, which he just did. Yeah, I, I think more of the same basically is the bull case. Um I put some numbers on it just to kind of boil it down. I I think if they reach a billion dollars in revenue, which is a little more than a double from here. uh, Trillion, trillion, T, T. Sorry. Yeah. A trillion. Uh, It would be, yeah, it's a trillion. Uh, But, and they can get to a normalized free cash flow margin of about 15%, which I don't think is too unrealistic. Um, They'll be doing $150 billion in free cash flow at 20 times that. Their annual free cash flow, that's a $3 trillion, uh, $3 trillion market cap. I think that's, unless the stock has moved today, I think that's a, a double from here. And all those numbers seem realistic within the next f- five to seven years. Um, I don't think that much, if nothing changes, if they just keep doing what they're doing, this will probably be a fine investment. Yeah, I agree. I worry about a lot of large numbers for retail a bit because it's going to, you know, they got to execute now and kind of in-person stuff and stuff like that. But I think with cloud, there's, there's no real concerns with that. Um, 
I have the same thing kind of as Ryan. And if anyone's like, whoa, 15% free cash flow margins, that sounds absurd. They got close to 10% free cash flow margins in 2019. And now AWS and advertising are making up a bigger percentage of revenue. I think 15% free cash flow margin is fairly doable. Um, if you think, okay, I'll put on a different number here too. If you think they can get to 10% free cash flow margins, we're basically sitting at an EV, which is enterprise value to free cash flow, which is enterprise value divided by free cash flow of 29 right now. So basically, I'm just taking their current last 12 months revenue numbers and slapping on a 10% free cash flow margin and then using that compared to their enterprise value. And then if you believe they can get to a 15% free cash flow margin, like Ryan was saying, the EV to free cash flow ratio is below 20 which feels very, very cheap. In either of those scenarios where you have a 10% or free, 15% free cash flow margin, I think like you do great. I mean, you're really just kind of banking on revenue growth over the next whatever years. Um, and I think it'd be 10% plus, it's going to be a good investment. All right, bear case, Brad. I know it's very hard for everyone here because everyone in the world is so bullish on Amazon, but what what do you think the bear case is? Sure. Uh, so, in the in the past, I've I've, I've invested in direct to consumer brands. I'm thinking Canada Goose, which I no longer own, but they're they and and several other brands with any kind of brand equity have been shifting aggressively to direct to consumer businesses just because of the vast gross profit margin boost it, it gives to their 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 businesses, their operations. So I, I've I've read about vendors like Allbirds and Nike pulling their 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 gear off of Amazon. Um, just because of, of counterfeits and copycats that that were, were, were to be candid, pissing them off. Um, and and if that continues, if these if these large brands continue to embrace this direct to consumer transformation, um, then that that could be problematic for what is the largest segment of its of its business, at least by revenue, not by operating income. But uh, yeah, I, I think that's that's the bear case, and it's not all that. It's quite realistic, honest. It's already happening. Um, I just, I just don't think it'll matter uh, for Amazon over the long term. They just got, got so much momentum, um, but something to keep an eye on for sure. Yeah, I hadn't really thought about that one, um, but that probably is, I guess, the biggest threat to their e-commerce business. But I would have said that two years ago, and it hasn't seemed to affect them. Um, I honestly can't think of a very realistic bear case where, like, what's going to stop AWS? What's going to stop like, is e-commerce going to decline? It doesn't feel very, that doesn't feel very realistic. Um, maybe they just spend too much. Like, and yes, even, yes, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, maybe the return on their current, like their other bets actually bogs down cash flow enough that this is a sub-market performer. Yeah, I mean, that's one for me as well. I I think margins could be a concern, say the labor stuff, um, which again, like from an investment perspective, we're just looking at labor, like objectively, if that hurts them a ton, if say supply chain costs really hurt them, because I mean, they've had to do some tough stuff with that materials costs are huge for them. That could really hurt margins. And if that sustains itself over the next decade, their margins could be hit. And then combine that with people partnering with Shopify and then the Shopify clones out there. They can if they can slowly pick away at the retail advantage, which I kind of doubt they can do because of the logistics stuff is just so insurmountable. There's a chance that e-commerce, the e-commerce and retail businesses are tough. But again, with AWS, I think this kind of shows that we don't know enough about the cloud business, but it's really hard to see a bear case for AWS. And I think we're all in the same boat there. But let's move into the final thoughts, more or less interested. Brad, you own some big tech but I believe you do not own Amazon. So what are your final thoughts after looking at them? No, I, I own, I own Facebook. Um, I, it's just, I, I can't believe I'm saying it, but, but, it, but less, it's just not, it's not within the, my, my, my kind of niche of investing. I, I mean, I, I do own Facebook, but I also see that as, as, as still a kind of almost, it's weird to think about it at, at whatever it is, hundred billion, six hundred billion dollars or something, but as a, as a younger growth stock, um, and a more speculative company than than Amazon, which is kind of where where I skew. Um, I I I can't I can't say less interested because it's just such an incredible company. So I'm going to say more interested, but I'm probably never going to own it just because of how massive it is already. Yeah, I'm. I am. I don't know. Like if if I didn't care about investing, I would probably just buy some and close my eyes for the next decade. But 
the only thing really deterring me is that like owning it just doesn't seem that fun. It like, it wouldn't take, it just like, yeah, making money will probably be fun, but it's not like, I kind of like the part of investing where like I found something unique and was able to do it like a little bit. I know there's no points for originality, but I kind of like being invested in companies where not everyone's invested. No, yeah, I'm in the same boat. It's just, I mean, look, <laughs> we're it's it's not even for uh, it's for enjoyment. I mean, I'm more interested. This is, I think, everyone follows all the big tech companies. At least glances at their earnings reports, especially because they can affect so much the other markets. But I mean, if I was say older, investing wasn't a something I wanted to do with my life as kind of the industry I was in. It was just something I was saving for retirement. I mean. I don't think you can go wrong with owning Microsoft, Google, and Amazon and going to sleep. I mean, those platforms, they have dominance. Brad, you have something to add here? Yeah, and I agree. I almost think at that point, just buy QQQ and, and make it even like make it even more boring and drama-less for yourself. Uh, so I, yeah, but which is kind of, I think, why the three of us are saying less interested because we see it as somewhat similar um, to index fund investing, which is funny because it's one company, but it's just such a massively important company that that's, I mean, it's it's sort of true. Yeah, it kind of goes in the same boat as me with Microsoft, Google, and Amazon. Those are the big tech companies I'm very interested in just because I think they have really long-term uh, with, by saying the cliche, durable competitive advantages. And yeah, if Amazon got cheap enough, maybe it would get very interesting. But I'll let the returns go to someone else and I'll play with the uh, stuff with market caps below $100 billion, maybe to our detriment, uh, but that's just gonna ha- that's just how it's gonna be. All right, stock for next week, Ryan. Do you have one? I know we are kind of you know this is a hectic week for us. Did you have a choice? If not, I got something in my mind. But if you I have, have one, two, I have two, and I want to let you guys kind of vote. So one would be Guidewire Software, which is like a it's business to business software for the insurance industry. So property and casualty insurance. Um, it's kind of like a pretty sticky software business from what I understand, and they're making a shift to cloud um, or Celsius holdings, the energy drinks uh, kind of been looking into them a little bit as well. Which one? Celsius. Uh, yeah. Let's do Celsius more, more okay. fun for the podcast. All right. Celsius holdings. It is. Yeah. B2B insurance software provider just, just doesn't sound quite, quite as fun. <laughs> It's, yeah, it's, like it, it could be a great investment. I mean, that sounds like, you know, something boring that's going to grow forever, but not, not, not Yeah, energy drinks will definitely be more more fun. All right, that's going to do it for this episode. Thank you all for listening. Remember, we are not financial advisors. Anything we say on the show is not formal advice or recommendation. However, Ryan and I are general partners at Arch Capital. Arch Capital clients may hold securities discussed in this podcast. Give us a review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. We're going for 100 on Spotify. Very, very close. Takes you about five seconds to do it on our homepage. So make sure you do that. And then we'll stop uh, bantering or not bantering, uh, hammering it home at the end of each episode. Thank you all for listening. We'll see you next time.